Deanna, a week ago, we uh, were talking about Martin Luther in anticipation of the month of October and moving toward Reformation Day. And when you talk about Luther, you have to talk about uh, the Protestant Reformation. And so that brings up the, what are we protesting? What, what, <laughs> what is the Protestant Reformation? Because uh, a lot of people just think of Protestant as a, well, that's just a different way of doing Christianity. No, they were protesting something. And the protest, as we pointed out in telling Luther's story, had to do with the Roman Catholic Church. And, and so that led into conversations of uh, there's, there's all these world religions. Why is Christianity correct? How do we know this is what truth is? Uh, and so we just determined that it's a good idea to take a few weeks and think about Christianity and the truth of Scripture versus some of these other world religions. And we thought, start with Roman Catholicism, because that's where we were with Martin Luther. So let's talk about uh, the differences there, and, uh, and, and then in the future we'll be thinking about Christianity, truth of Scripture, versus some other world religions. But let's start in this area of Roman Catholicism. And in Roman Catholicism, when I'm talking to people, sometimes it can get confusing because we've mentioned this before, but I just want to go ahead and mention it again because I think it's important. And that is that in the early church, the word Catholic mm -hmm. meant universal. Right. And so if we're talking about the time period of those first 300 years, a lot mm -hmm. of times people say, well, if you were in the universal church, as far as what the early church was considered, the first church after Christ, right? Yeah. Then they they would have been called Catholic. Yeah. And so if you were in the universal church, you were Catholic. And it wasn't until 1054 where we see the first break off, yeah. which that was, was considered the great schism. A couple of bishops were arguing and they separated the Eastern Orthodox Church mm -hmm. and the Roman Catholic Church. Right. And then the Roman Catholic Church goes on until Martin Luther that we talked about last week. And then there's another break. So up until that point, there were only really three different, if you want to call them, three different churches Mm -hmm. out of the lineage of Christ. Yeah. So you would have the Eastern Orthodox Church that claimed they were the true church, the Roman Catholic Church, mm -hmm. and then after 1555, and you see the Treaty of Augsburg, then you see this choice between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. Right. So at that time, Catholic, if you use the word, it doesn't mean the same as it did in maybe the Nicene Creed. Right, yeah. And, and I think that's good to understand because as a Christian today, if you read some of that old history, you may see the word Catholic and be like, oh my goodness, I'm reading heresy. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about Catholic and we're not Catholic, we're Protestant. Uh, and you gotta go, okay, what's the time period this is in? Because Catholic did mean universal. Um, but as we talk about Catholicism today, and that's why it's helpful to just go ahead and say Roman Catholicism most of the time. We're talking about since that split and break and what the Protestants were protesting, all, all of the uh, falsehood that had been adopted into the Roman Catholic teachings of the church and the things they were protesting was 
the authority of Scripture, salvation in Christ alone, and we could point out a few other things, but there's very specific things really boil down to the gospel. Yeah, and what we're going to see is that these bishops in the Roman Catholic Church, and, and let me just say too, this is a caveat here, and that is that what what I'm not saying is whether people in the Catholic Church are saved or not. Right. What I am talking about is the difference of the Roman Catholic catechisms, which they learned from, mm-hmm. and the authority of Scripture right. or their tradition. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah. when we're thinking about those things, you know, the bishops along the way added all these different elements. And Mike Gendron was gracious and came and spoke to my apologetic students one time he came out of the catholic faith and he goes around now and he shares and he has a website it's called proclaiming proclaiming the gospel if you want to look that up later you can get different resources from there but anyway he put together this little timeline about bishops that were adding to the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And that they call these traditions and they would add things like indulgences or they would add things like to what we know as the Lord's Supper. They look at that differently and you might mm-hmm. want to go into that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we can dive into it there if we want to. Uh, the uh, you, you talk about the indulgences, which is part of what Luther was speaking against during his period of time. Uh, another big issue that he saw was the whole idea of transubstantiation and what uh, in Roman Catholicism is the Eucharist. We would call the Lord's Supper or communion um, to describe the ordinance uh, in the church of the Lord's Supper. They would call it a sacrament um, and, and they had several sacraments, but uh, the, the Eucharist transubstantiation, the idea that Christ is really being re-sacrificed uh, on your behalf uh, as you take the, the elements of the communion or of the Eucharist so that the, when the priest is giving the blessing of the, of the bread and of the wine, that you are again partaking of the body and the blood of Christ, that it's taking back on the nature of his body and the nature of his blood, and you're taking that in for yourself through the blessing of the priest and the and the giving and receiving of that element of the Eucharist, uh, which is beyond what Scripture lays on uh, the element or the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, as we see Jesus explain it in the Gospel accounts. And they, and they too add this next one, and I think we'll get into this as we move further in the podcast and that is they add on purgatory Mm -hmm. and this is going to be very important because what ends up happening is that you know christ is not the full justification for our sin and so after we die we have to go to this place called purgatory that continues to get rid of the rest of our sins that are either unrepented or that we've continued to commit. And then after a while in purgatory, when we're ready, then we can go to heaven. And that's going to be an important element as we talk about further in the podcast. So purgatory is something they added on. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, tradition is equal with the Bible. They added that in. 
And then, of course, they added in uh, Mary, her stance, her the way we view Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've elevated her to a sinless virgin. Right. Yeah. And then they have papal infallibility. And so you have all these things that bishops have added on, and this becomes tradition that we're not going to be able to support scripturally. And and I think it it boils down that the concern, the reason we would discuss this, uh, and and like you said, it's we're not trying to determine who's saved in, that might be in a Catholic system or church. I shouldn't say system, a Catholic church, uh, and everybody in a Protestant oriented church would be saved. We're not even trying to determine that. What we're really looking at is. The Bible presents clearly a, a singular gospel, a, a way of salvation. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, so there is a way to salvation. And any, any gospel you present that's beyond what the Bible has given us is another gospel. That's Galatians 1. Paul warned uh, the Galatians about the Judaizers, who uh, the Judaizers... Uh, believed that the Judaizers believed that Jesus was the Messiah that you should believe in and hope in, but they wanted to add just one other thing: you need to be circumcised. Right? That's what that's what was going on in, in the churches in Galatia. Hey, these people have come and they're teaching us about Jesus and get circumcised. And Paul comes along and says, "Hey, anything you add to the gospel of Jesus being sufficient, then you you have ruined the gospel." It's not that. You, you have the gospel and let's just fix some things. You've ruined the gospel. That's the language he used. Let him be a curse. Um, and so when we're looking at another system, and so we're looking today at the Roman Catholic system of salvation, they've added things to, you've been pointing out, there was indulgences, there's purgatory, there's the, the authority of the church, the authority of tradition, the authority of papal authority, there's going through the sacraments, there's, right, there's all these additions that's running the gospel and what we want people to consider is uh what does the scripture say the gospel is and am i believing the gospel given to me by the scripture or am i leaning on tradition so i don't want to convince somebody of our thinking about what the gospel says we just want to be really clear what we believe the bible says the gospel is and we're trying to align with that that's what's so good about being able to recognize some of these things because when you see the difference of the salvation when you look at roman catholicism and you look at it and you say okay well jesus is still on the cross when you go into their Mm -hmm. cathedrals Mm -hmm. and and you kind of have to sit back and wonder why is he still on the cross and that was a question that, that I had as well. And the reason that he's still on the cross is because, you know, all the sins have not been justified, right? Yeah. And so when you go into a Christian church, you'll just see a cross. Yeah. And you say, well, why, why is that different from Roman Catholicism? And th- these are some of the differences that we see in Scripture. Yeah. It's not what we're saying the difference is. We're just trying to go back to Scripture and say, what does scripture say? And a lot of times we can start with Ephesians, you know, 2, 8, 9. Mm-hmm. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is where we get the faith alone. Mm-hmm. And people will say, yeah, but you got to have works because you have the book of James. 
And this is one of the counter arguments that when I was speaking to a young Roman Catholic, she had said to me, and I said, you're absolutely correct. The internal of what has happened to somebody when they come to know Christ, out of their love and devotion for him, they end up outwardly having good good works and the reason is because they've been changed eternally by christ but their sins have been paid and there's no more work that they need to do all the work was done on the cross yeah yeah that that's that's a good distinction to make because we do believe faith without works is dead right it's it's faith uh that are accompanied with works not to get saved but to live out to give evidence of your salvation in in the tradition of Roman Catholicism, it's faith plus works in order to attain grace, and we're saying no grace is attained through your faith, and then it's accompanied with works, which is I think James' argument. Paul's argument is that some people want to pit Paul and James against each other over that. Paul said faith only. James says faith and works. You know, and James was closer to Jesus, <laughs> so therefore uh, James should win. No, they were saying the same thing. Right, emphasizing maybe different components of the journey of faith. But uh, Paul said you need to work out your faith in fear and trembling. Uh, James said uh, faith without works is dead. So similar arguments, and that's a little bit of a rabbit trail. But I think it's a good thing to remember because that's what's going on when you begin to compare uh, the doctrine of of the scriptures and the doctrine of or the teachings of the Roman. Catholic system of salvation um, is one is camping on works and the other is leaning on grace alone, the Ephesians 2, 8, 9 verses that you were pointing out. So you see this difference in, in, the, in the gospel, it's understanding itself, uh, and, and, and you talk, you've talked some about the difference in the authority uh, of the church. Uh, from from the Christian view to the Catholic view. So in the Christian view, there's this authority of of the Bible. The scriptures are the authority. But in the Roman Catholic tradition, you have the authority that uh, really, you've mentioned three things, the, the magisterium or papal authority, tradition, which is not tradition like we think of, the things that we've always done, we enjoy doing again. Yeah. It, it, it's it's um, tradition with authority built into it and the scripture how is that a problem to have the three put together versus the one yeah because as as we've talked about before you know when we look at we can look at simple passages even throughout scripture when we look at what does scripture say about supreme authority Mm -hmm. right most you know roman catholics will buy their catechisms and Mm -hmm. there's you know, hundreds of catechisms in there. And you can just go through and look at some of those catechisms and you say, okay, wait a second, this catechism here that says that, you know, Islam, it can be Christian Mm -hmm. and Judaism can be Christian and even the atheist. And then you start thinking, wait a second, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So how can all these, you know, other religions come yeah. into this? Yeah. So when you start reading God's word and you're then you start going, Okay, wait a second. Second Timothy is saying all scripture is 
inspired by God. Yeah, all scripture is inspired by God. Or some say all scripture is, you know, God breathed. But what is it for? It's for reproof, correction, rebuke. And at the end of that, though, it says, so that the man of God can be trained, right, for every good work. See, all these different passages. And Jesus, you know, when he's before Pilate, and he says, I came to testify to the truth. And he's speaking the truth so that we will know the truth. And that entails the old and the New Testament. The challenge of the balance of this authority resting in Scripture alone versus this, this they call the three-legged stool uh, of the tradition, papal authority, and the Scriptures uh, all three together. The, the challenge is, and, and there's admission on, on their part, there's, because they've changed some of the traditions. They've had, they've had popes come along and make changes to traditions they had in the past. And, and so they, they're fully admitting that there's fallibility in previous popes and there's fallibility in their traditions. Um, what's well, not changing? Scripture. Scripture's true. And so when we're saying we lean solely on the Scripture, it's because, as you pointed out, it's the inspired Word of God. So it's not fallible. It's standing true. It's these other two legs of the stool that are the fallible part. So why do you need those? That... That, that's really the discussion and the argument of the basis of the authority. Um, and, and again, what it's pointing us to is this different gospel with Roman Catholicism. It's, it's faith plus. It's faith plus the sacraments, which begin with baptism at birth, uh, administered by the priest. It's the confession of your sins in the confessional to the priest. You need a different mediator. It is the prayers to Mary and the saints so that they can mediate for you. Again, Scripture is saying it's Christ alone. Christ alone is sufficient for salvation. It's Christ alone is your mediator, right? Uh, but they keep adding. We've talked about the Mass. We've talked about purgatory, uh, the indulgences. Um, and and then it's the keeping of all the laws. And that's one of the things Mike Jenner points out. He says, it, if you had asked me when I was a Roman Catholic, when do you know that you'll go to heaven? I'll, I'll, I'll never know. I'll never know. Because I don't know any day which sin I may commit that could move from a venial sin to a mortal sin. Yeah. And so how can I? I can never know. And yet Scripture is proclaiming you can know. Yeah. Yeah. I write these things to you, John said, so that you may know, right? So that you may know and, and believe. And even when... Gendron gives this, and so I want to give him credit for this, but when he's talking about sharing the gospel with Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. he he says, you know, it's really important that we can establish two things, the authority of Scripture yeah. and that Jesus is the justification yeah. for our sins. Right. And in Roman Catholicism, neither one of those things are true. In Roman Catholicism, you have other tradition and bishops mm-hmm. who are given authority in addition to Scripture, and you also have Jesus plus works. Yeah, and that's a different gospel. Yeah. So when we're sharing with Roman Catholics, one of the things that I really appreciate is that he starts out and he says, you know, pray that that God. That the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. will speak to them. It's the Holy Spirit that turn, turns a man's heart, right? right? right. Yeah. And so, first of all, we want to pray when we're speaking to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, one of the things I, I appreciate about Jenrin's own story is um, he he's not telling us that uh, there's not born again Christians that attend Catholic churches, and, and he points that out, and 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 I think it'd be fair for us to point that out because that's when I start talking to people, if it gets to that kind of debate element, you don't believe there's Catholic Christians, and you don't believe there's Baptists that are lost, and I do. I believe many in Protestant churches, Baptists or any, that are fooled. They believe they have trusted Christ when they haven't. Uh, and I think that there are people who are truly born again that attend Catholic churches. But as he points out, they're not Catholic Christians because Catholic presents a different gospel than the Christian gospel. They may be believers that are attending a Catholic church as the Holy Spirit's growing them to show them these differences. So I, I think it's just fair to, he shares that, he shares it in a good way, so it's, it's fair to kind of give him credit for that. But it's, I think it's maybe helpful for others to hear. If you're going to be sharing with people who are Roman Catholic, um, you're not trying to convince them of the wrongness of Catholicism. You're wanting to show them the truth of the gospel. So you pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal it to their hearts. And you pray for the correct words to say yourself as you present. And, and then he says, show them the scripture and, and have them read the scripture out loud for themselves and ask them, what is God teaching you? Remove yourself, let them deal with God. Show them the scripture. And he uses kind of a Roman road approach. You know, show them what it says in Romans, there's nobody that's righteous. You're trying to do all these works to be good. There's none that are righteous. Uh, the wages of sin is death. What's the payment of, of our sin? What happens to people? Um, and show them that and then show them the good news. Yeah, and I really like that he does ask the question, you know, how do you, how do you hope to get to heaven? And I think that that too is important because mm -hmm. a lot of times in Roman Catholicism, they might say, well, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Right. And so I think that that's really helpful in the conversation as well. And a lot of some of what we've talked about here today, you can find on the website that we mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast, which is right. proclaimingthegospel.org. And, and he has some websites on there if you want to, you know, venture out and go to other places as well, and you should. But most importantly, what we're both talking about is that point people to the scriptures mm -hmm. and let them read the scriptures. And a lot of times, you know, once someone starts reading the scriptures for themselves, yeah. then they begin to ask questions. They begin mm -hmm. that pursuit because the Holy Spirit will work through that just the same way that he worked through us. And that's yeah. what he did in us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could in, engage in just scripture reading with him as a, let's meet together and read scripture together, you know, and talk about what you think is teaching you. And, and through relationship, you know, build that opportunity. Oh, that's good, uh, Deanna. I know that there's... Uh, more that can be said, there's greater understanding there, but I think that gives kind of a broad view of, of what we're talking about and the reason we are, and, and we're grateful uh, that people would listen. Hopefully, if they have greater interest in that, you can reach out to us, go visit that website, 
look up Mike Gendron and from there go find other resources that will help you, especially if you're witnessing to, sharing with family members or friends that have a Roman Catholic tradition because the, the goal is not to win them to a new denomination, right? It's to mm-hmm. present the gospel and change their eternity. So thanks for listening to the analysis. <laughs>